Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, we're premiering Hope and Help Live, a periodic segment of the podcast that features unscripted, live recorded interviews previously broadcasted on Facebook. Today's conversation features Jessica Thompson and Joel Fitzpatrick. During the live chat, we talk about the various ways our respective households are navigating the coronavirus pandemic and offer encouragements to parents of depressed and anxious teens who may be struggling to care for their child in today's quarantine contexts. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guests. Jessica Thompson has authored or co-authored several books, including the bestseller Give Them Grace. A popular conference speaker and guest blogger, Jessica grew up in Southern California, where she and her husband of 22 years have raised their three kids, two of whom are teenagers. Joel Fitzpatrick has served as an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church in America with a focus on youth and family. He received his MDiv from Westminster Seminary, California. Joel lives in Southern California with his wife of nearly 20 years and their two children. I'm just going to go ahead and say hello to people who are starting to tune in. My name is Christine Chapel. I am host of the Hope and Help podcast with IBCD, but I'm really here just hosting this evening of Facebook live chat because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> so <laughs> I have invited some friends who are not foreign to the Hope and Help podcast. They have been guests before, and I thought it would be a really opportune time to invite them on this Facebook live chat to hopefully give some help and some hope for parents who have teenagers who maybe are struggling with anxiety and depression during the quarantine, isolation, and all of the chaos that is kind of going on in the world really, but um, you know, in our local communities and really in our homes as well. And so I have Joel Fitzpatrick here and Jessica Thompson. For those of you who don't know, they're brother and sister. So let me just go ahead and start with the conversation. Joel, how has it been going at your house? You have some teenagers that are in your domain, right? Yeah, I have a, a, a which by the way, hi, Facebook people. Um, I have a 16 year old daughter and a 13 year old son. And uh, we're in Southern California, and we have been quarantined, or not quarantined, but told to shelter in place uh, for the last uh, two and a half weeks or so. Uh, school's been out. In the school district I'm in, they told our kids that all online learning was optional and was just for enrichment purposes. So how's it going at my house? Well, my internet is super slow because of uh, the, the constant Netflix streaming. But, you know, um, the, kids are, the kids are hanging in. I think this is a massive time in their lives, something none of us have ever experienced before. And so just trying to, trying to keep a lid on things, trying to keep them from killing each other and uh, keep myself from killing them. I can understand that, yes. <laughs> I can definitely understand. I, yesterday, <laughs> I think I posted something on 
on Facebook, I just my own conviction with and wrestling with the Holy Spirit has just been like, I know that today I am going to need to die to myself 50 million times or else, like lest someone else succumb yes. to mom's wrath. <laughs> so, yeah, so. totally. Right. hundred percent. Um, I have realized in the last couple of days, I was telling Jessica and mom this last night, uh, I've realized in the last couple of days, how much like Darth Vader and Thanos. And now I'm realizing Jabba the Hutt. I am just like in my, in my parenting, right? I'm like Thanos in that I'm inevitable. Like I'm always going to be there and am going to bend things to my will. Uh, I'm like Darth Vader in that I can renegotiate contracts at will and it doesn't matter. And I just tell them, hey, pray, I don't uh, renegotiate it more. And I'm like a job of the hut in that I have a giant jar of jelly bellies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if it makes you feel any better about that, I ate a whole box of bottle caps yesterday. Um, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, from a dollar store, it's the big like movie size box. Yes. Yes. Just well pure done. sugar. Oh, it was great. Well <laughs> the, root, the root beer flavor and the cherry yes, flavor. Yes, come on. Beer. Yeah, mm -hmm. come on. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Well, Jessica, how about you? How are things going in the Thompson household? Yeah, so I have a 21-year-old son that came home from college, a 19-year-old son that came home from college. They both got back on the 15th. So their school shut down, and they were told to come home. And so they drove home from Illinois and got home on the 15th of March. And so they've been here. <laughs> and um, I have a 16-year-old daughter who also is in the same school district as Joel's kids. Yeah, we're just, I, I, it's just a lot of trying to figure this out. And I was laughing because I was reading in a Bible study that I'm doing going through the Last Supper. And so Jesus get, feeds the disciples the Last Supper, and it's like this beautiful moment, foot washing, this whole thing. And immediately right after, it's like, and then the disciples started arguing. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that gives a little bit of hope for what's happening, I'm sure, in everybody's home right now. Like, if Jesus can serve the Last Supper, and then the disciples immediately start arguing about who's the best, then I think we should all be expecting a little bit of arguing and fighting in our homes right now. Um, <laughs> I read that yesterday and just, it was like, of course, of course, of course. So yeah, we're just trying to figure out how to do this. Lots of walks. My kids, my, especially my older boys, which I understand, keep asking, you know, can I go over or do this? It's just like having the same conversation over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I can understand that perspective too. I sat down last night, you know, we've been trying to turn off the TV because like Joel said with, you know, the streaming it's on yeah. often. Um, although our schoolwork is not optional. We're laboring a lot here with the e-learning, but um, in any case, last night I pulled out a devotional. I just grabbed, it was um, the Experiencing the Trinity devotional by Joe Thorne. And I just mm -hmm. flipped open to it. I'm like, okay, we're gonna have a family devotion. You know, it takes five minutes and immediately eyes start rolling and people storm out of the room. I'm like, and I just kind of have to laugh a little bit. I, I think back to podcast guest, uh, Don Whitney, I had on the show and he just said, look, when you do your family devotion time, it's going to look exactly like all the other time 
in your house <laughs> where kids are fighting and being fussy, don't have high expectations for it. And so I just chuckled. I had to laugh. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to still read this. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah. 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 I think that that's one of the hard things right now is trying to find that place where you're not being an overbearing parent, but then also, and not trying to over spiritualize everything, but then also trying to bring God's word to bear on what is a, a I think for, for the kids, a particularly troubling time is they're just saying like, is the world falling apart? Is God in control? Why is this going on? It's this fine line to walk where we're always around our kids now and we're consistently like instructing them on things to do during the day. And yet we want to have these refreshing times in the evening with them to talk. This is the sort of, yeah, this is a hard time, especially if your family's not like right dialed into doing family devotionals at night or reading the Bible together. This is going to feel like even more foreign to our kids. And so, yeah, like, I think that's, that's a real common struggle that's going on in Christian households all over the country. Yeah. And I would even, you know, segue over to Jessica because a lot of the books that I've read from Jessica, you know, they're very grace centered and talking about the grace of God and having grace towards your children. And especially with her new book on how to help your teen with anxiety, just helping to encourage parents to really assume that position of I'm going to be a conduit of God's grace mm -hmm. when it seems like everything around us is falling apart or yeah. we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. And so Jessica, what do you think, I guess just thinking off the top of my head and, and going along the lines of being that conduit of God's grace when things seem so uncertain for our anxious teens, what do you think some of the biggest challenges are and what would be like an encouragement you could give to a parent who is maybe really struggling? Cause we're all just kind of snappy and on edge. Yeah. You know, that's what I was going to say. I mean, as parents, we're all dealing with our own anxieties right now too. And the way that we might be dealing with them may be different than our, the way our kids deal with them. Where with my, I'm the type of person who, uh, like I am not worst case scenario, that's not who I am. Um, my mom does that for everybody. <laughs> Joel's laughing so far, but you can't hear him. That's uh, on live. So people just that heard you say that. That is, that I is mean, so true. Mom is on full meltdown mode yeah. right now. It's like four texts a day. <laughs> she would say it. She would. She, she has said it. Um, uh, that's just not who I am. Uh, but I do have people in my house that, that their tendency would be more towards anxiety. So for me, um, I can't just be like, ah, it, it's, it, just get over it. Worry, today's enough trouble, so don't worry about today. You know, don't worry about tomorrow. It's, yeah, that, that helps nobody. That doesn't help me because I'm just angry and self-righteous. It doesn't help my child because, well, it's unhelpful. <laughs> so what I've been saying a lot, we've been talking about a lot is like, everybody gets a lot of grace right now. Everyone gets a lot of grace. I need a lot of grace. Uh, my kids need a lot of grace. Everybody needs a lot of grace right now. So if there does happen to come up something where someone is more snappy than normal, it's just like COVID-19, <laughs> you know? I mean, we can use this time to learn our kids as well. One thing that I've been trying to pay attention to is what is drawing the worst out in my kids during this time? What are the little stressors that I see that may happen before 
coming up to some sort of explosion or even just a little explosion. Mm -hmm. um, which kid is dealing with this in which way? And listen, parents, that might sound too overwhelming to you. And if it is, don't do it. <laughs> Lots of gifts yeah. for you right now too. Um, but for me in my house, that's what, what works for right now is for me to look at the things that are stressing my kids more. Do they get to a breaking point? It, it just depends on the child. So I think dealing with your own stuff is very difficult. And I think parents need to take time to go stand outside by themselves for a few minutes. I think that's important. I don't even think the bathroom, like stand outside and go hide somewhere and just cower for a few minutes and pray that God helps you. Um, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think it's important right now, this is a, a good opportunity if you feel able to get to know more about your kid and what sets them off in a sense, because that might not come out as anxiety. It might not come out as them saying, I'm scared, but it might come out from them as incessant question asking about whatever it might come out with them just being kind of a jerk to be around. It might come out with them um, never coming out of their room, you know? So looking at the different ways your kids react in a stressful situation, and this is a difficult situation, especially if you have a kid that tends towards the anxiety end. Well, I think those are really great suggestions. And I love how you mentioned about trying to dial into your, your kids' specific struggles. One of the things I actually did with Brianna, and I don't know where I got the idea, it just popped into my head, but you know, I think sometimes when our kids are dealing with depression or anxiety, they have a really hard time communicating about what they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. They just know there's like this inner turmoil and they're not really sure why. They, can, they don't have the spiritual maturity to identify that. And so that's where God calls us as parents to come alongside and to help them. And so just a real simple thing I said, I asked her, I said, Brianna, okay, here's what I'd like for you to do. Write down on a piece of paper, if you could go ask God any question today, what would that question be? And so then through that answer, I'm able to see, okay, here's something she's really struggling with right now that I can specifically minister to her the gospel or just encouragements or whatever your kid might need in, in depending on what their answer is, but just trying to help to connect the dots. Okay. You have this question. You would ask God about it, but she's not really sure. Well, how do I, how do I do that? What does that even look like? I can't, because for a child, you know, they're like, I can't talk directly to God, you know? And so I think that's an opportunity for us as parents to kind of be in that middle point to be able to facilitate taking them to the Lord and just offering encouragements from the scriptures or just from our own experiences. Joel, you have a really encouraging book called Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons. And I have all these titles memorized because <laughs> I work on the podcast and I do all the editing. So I know all of my guests and all of their titles. But in any case, I really loved the devotional that she put together there. And it seems like the men of the house are dealing with these challenges in a different way than maybe the rest of the household is. And so how do you think maybe a father who is walking alongside a depressed or an anxious son could disciple him or kind of step into his world a little bit in the context of being isolated from friends and being home from school and just having everything kind of shaken up? Yeah, I think that there's there's a couple of things that I would say, and this is from experience uh, in my own household. I think number one, as dads, we need to really practice the fruit of the spirit 
pray that God would work that into our hearts, specifically humility, self-control, and patience. If dads are out there and they're like me, which uh, I think there are a few who are like me, uh, probably not many, but a few, there's there's a tendency to want um, your kids to do things and to be busy about the house and to get their work done. And when they don't, then especially as a dad who works from home and now has his kids home with him all day and my wife is out as a nurse uh, working in a clinic, that can be a really stressful thing. And you can build up this place in your own heart where you are God's tool to make sure your kids get their work done around the house. And in doing that, what you do is you end up adding stress to an already stressful situation because you walk around huffy and grumpy and angry. A lot of dads find their identity in their work and their jobs. And now that their works and jobs are forcing them to be home and maybe you're not able to do your work or be as productive, there's the temptation to take out that frustration on whoever is around you. And so dads, I would say almost the exact same thing that Jessica is saying. Um, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about having a ton of grace for the people in your house. It's about practicing self-control in that when you feel the anxiety and the frustration building up inside of you, you know, that's the time where you need to be self-aware enough to move out of the space that you're in, um, whether it's to go outside and pray or go outside and kick a rock or do whatever it is that you want to do, go in your garage and, and chop some wood or sit down and read a book um, and have a cup of tea. But it's really learning to be aware of yourself and then learning how to take the temperature of your house. When you walk in, I don't mean like the physical temperature, like everybody knows dads love to be in control of the thermostat <laughs> and like set it to the right degrees. But I mean, like take the emotional temperature of your house. And that's something that's really hard, I think, for dads to do. But if you walk into your into your son's room and he's sitting on his place, or not sitting on, but he's playing on his PlayStation and he's been on it for multiple hours and you come in and you start yelling at him about what he's doing, then that's going to build anxiety. It's going to build frustration. And if your kid tends towards performancism, uh, meaning like they find their value in what they can produce, then that can produce a lot of depression as well. And so thinking about ways, instead of being a monster, instead of being Thanos, you can walk in and actually have just a beautiful time to serve your children and to lead your children and to help them and to love them and not try to fix them, but to love them and to enter into their suffering with them and sit with them. One of the ways I've done this really, actually it hasn't even really been me, it's been my daughter who's been doing it more, is at night after everyone's inside so I can keep more than the six foot rule, she and I go out for a solid hour walk all around our neighborhood. And in that walk, we talk about everything that's going on and we talk about how she's feeling about this. It's less talking and more just listening and hearing, hearing what my kids are saying, hearing what they're, what they're thinking about. It's spending time, if my son doesn't want to talk, it's spending time playing video games with him and just sitting with him um, and hearing him um, or watching a movie with him. It's not trying to fix things because dads, you can't fix a global pandemic. I mean, unless, unless, you're, like a, unless you're a brilliant scientist, 
which by the way if you are you shouldn't be watching this facebook live thing get come on get it together and fix stuff the, the um, break is over get back to work <laughs> get back to work and fix this thing yeah. um but, but like it's it's about it's about just having a ton of patience realizing that our kids all of their structure for their day has come to a complete stop in a moment over a sickness that's killing thousands of people around the world. That is a man that if that doesn't scare, it scares me. Um, that's going to scare your kids. And so it's just be about being patient and loving and kind and then asking for forgiveness when you're a total yeah. jerk. Yeah, I think that is a really great point. And I have to say, when you first started talking, I think you described the first half of my day in terms of stomping around. You know, the kids are making messes. I feel like I'm following them with the broom and the dustpan every step they take. Ah, there's dirt on the ground again. You know, because when they're out at school, see, this is the one thing that I know is always a challenge for me, especially because I have two younger children, um, six and five. And so just last August, I finally got to the point where all my kids are in public school. I'm not having to pay to, you know, go to preschool anymore. It's free school for seven and a half hours. I can do, you know, selfishly, whatever it is that I want to do. And so now a lot of parents, perhaps like myself, are finding those types of freedoms are not, not here right at the moment. They're temporarily not available. And that's not a bad thing, but it challenges our idols like head on because I want to do what I want to do. I want to do these deadlines and do these projects. And now I've got these little children making messes and wanting snacks and needing help with homework. And so I have to lay myself down hour by hour, minute by minute, and surrender my will to the situation that the Lord has given to me and to families across the country, across the world, which is, hey, we're going to be a tight-knit family. <laughs> all the time for the next two months. And so it is definitely something that can put a lot of good challenges in our own walks with Christ and, and confront our own idols head on. I want to see, Jessica, if you'll help, because I think that there is an opportunity here with our depressed and anxious teens to model what it looks like to have God or to know God as your refuge. I think mm -hmm. that's a big component. I just saw Julie Lowe from CCEF teach and she used this phrase and I just love it, talking about wooing our children to Jesus, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about like his loveliness yeah. and how he is our refuge. And so what, do you have some thoughts that you might share on that? Yeah, I think some easy ways to do that is first, be honest with your kids. I think if we try to act like we've got it all together or we try to act like we're not struggling at all or this isn't at all scary, if it is scary for you, and I mean, obviously it would be, I think being honest about our fears age appropriately, obviously, but if they express any sort of fear or anxiety, what a great opportunity for you to say, me too, sweetie, let's pray. Mm -hmm. I mean, me too. This is crazy, but you know what we have? Um, we have a savior who the Bible says sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. So right now, even though God knows the end from the beginning of this whole thing, knows what every hour of every day holds, even though he's aware of that, he also knows the stress and anxiety that this is causing us. And the Bible talks about Jesus being a great high priest who comes alongside of us in our times when we're afraid, who comes alongside of us when we're scared and says to you right in those places, come to the throne room of grace, where you're going to find, come to the throne room of mercy, where you're going to find grace 
and help in your time of need. So in those times of need, when you see your kid worried or they are anxious or you see the patterns that lead to them having a big anxious blow up, coming to them and saying, hey, I, I'm scared too. Let's just stop and pray. Instead of what I think we do a lot of times as parents is like, come on, just, you're, it's going to be fine. I, don't you think I'm worried too? Blah, right? That whole thing. You're not the one that has to put foot on the table and I got to worry about you complaining too. And right, we like try to compare our sufferings. And instead of comparing our sufferings, let's take our collective sufferings to Jesus. I think that that's one way that we can bring our kids to that. Another way is, I mean, you see it in Matthew 6, like you can just take your kids outside and just say, hey, look at these flowers. I live right next to a, a big field that has all these wildflowers blooming. Look at these flowers. Like, who, who, how do you think they're so beautiful? God, God did this. Look at the birds. They're not worrying about where their food is coming from. God takes care of them. And so because of those things, because we know if he takes care of these things, he's going to take care of us as well. And honestly, I have a hard time believing that all the time, but I know what the Bible says is true. So I'm going to pray that God gives me and you faith to believe. Um, but I, I think the wrong approach is coming in and acting like you know everything and acting like your faith is perfect. This is a great opportunity for you to talk about how your faith is weak as well, but you have a strong, strong Savior who holds you even in your weak faith. Those are really great encouragements. I can just really feel overwhelming as a parent. And in my devotion last night, I was reading my utmost for his highest. I love this little guy here. This is a trustworthy one. And he was talking about, I've never looked at John 3, 29 like this before, but John the Baptist is talking about how he is the friend of the bridegroom. And just this idea that the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So he's talking about, he's Jesus's friend. Jesus is the one that gets all the attention. He's the lovely one. He's dressed up fancy. Parents, we are the friend of the bridegroom pointing our kids to the lovely one, to the one who is our refuge, to the one who is sovereign and in control and has died for our sins and offers us salvation. And that really just flipped something in me of, oh, that's my job. Oh yeah. I'm just pointing my anxious team to him. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of truth in that. I think that uh, just thinking about John the Baptist, right. And, and people kept coming to him and saying, are you, are you, uh, are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet? And it's like, behold, I'm not the Christ. But the amazing thing is, even though John baptized Jesus and John heard the father's voice say, this is my son, right? Just a few chapters later, we hear John writing or sending his, sending his own uh, followers to Jesus saying, okay, bro, like, I'm about to get my head chopped off. Are you actually the one? And I think there's a lot of comfort for me in that. Right now, I'm reading through the Psalms, and I'm getting all through the Psalms of Ascent right now. And so much of those has this general tenor of looking away from myself for help, looking to someone else for what I need, um, looking for someone else for my rescue. And I was even uh, just the other day uh, texting with a friend who's going through a ton of physical issues. In uh, Isaiah 43, the Lord just laid it on my heart. And it says this, uh, but, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So here we have the salvation component, right? Like the rescue component. And then listen to what he says next. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I think that there's this beautiful thing, and a lot of times people who, who are like convinced as I am that the gospel is the solution, right, for, for all of our ills, for all of our woes, um, that we can find hope and help almost like there's a podcast name that way, but we can find hope and help in the truths of the gospel. The reality is, is that God doesn't just save our souls and then is unconcerned with our physical body. God is saying to us and to our teens who are struggling with anxiety and depression, or even us as we struggle with anxiety and depression, when you go through the waters, when you feel like you're drowning, I am going to be there with you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to ransom you. When you walk through fire, you're not going to be burned. You're going to be cared for. And that doesn't mean that we don't suffer physically. But what it means is that God is there continually providing safety and help. And like the old Puritans used to call it sucker, right? It's like God's calming, Holy Spirit-driven love and help and support and comfort for our souls. That's beautiful. <laughs> like I can look at flowers and those are beautiful. And I can look at a sunset. I just said this to my daughter last night, we were walking and the sunset was beautiful here in Southern California. And I was like, don't lose sight of that, of the beauty of what's going on around us in the midst of all of this fear and anxiety. But what's even more beautiful is that God is with us in the middle of this. He promises to be with us in the middle of it. And we know that it'll come true because we have someone who passed through the waters, who passed through the fires for us, and is now seated at God's right hand. He's entered beyond the veil, and he's seated there, ever interceding for us, ever sending us comfort and support. That is a perfect illustration of what I think a lot of people are grappling with to believe right now is that God is with us and that there's that somebody's got a plan. This is all kind of crazy. Is there even a plan going on? We don't even know what, what it is. And I think that uh, you're talking about walking through the waters. Psalm 77 is an excellent psalm I would recommend for a parent to use and walk their team through, whether it's anxiety or depression they're dealing with, because it's called in the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. I'm not going to read all of it, but it gives a lot of lament language for your team to help express what it is that they're feeling. But very at the end, I'm bringing it home here, Joel, is that the, he closes out, the psalmist closes out, says, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so he's talking about, look, we had to go through the sea, to get to the other side. God didn't deliver us out of it. And he was with us, like Joel, you were saying, but we didn't see his footprints. Here's what I'm thinking. Like you were talking about, uh, you know, a lot of us are just like, I don't even, does he even have a plan? I don't even know if I believe this. And for your teens that are willing to say that to you, that's awesome. Like encourage them when they're willing to be honest with you about that. So even in that, I, it just reminded me of, of doubting Thomas. And how does Jesus deal with the doubter? How does Jesus deal with the one who says, I don't even know if I believe this. He's like, come here, touch me. I want you to touch me so that you know I'm real. And he doesn't come at, at Thomas with anger. He doesn't come at Thomas with disappointment. 
He's like, oh, buddy, come here. <laughs> um, let me show you how much I love you. And so for our teens that are experiencing anxiety or um, maybe our teens don't believe, this is his disposition mm -hmm. towards them. Uh, your teens that are, are struggling with depression right now and parents, you, even you right now, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with God, how, what is this disaster that is going on in the world right now? Truly a, a disaster. I doubt that you're good. I doubt that you see. I doubt that you're near. This is his disposition to you. He says, come and touch me. Come and find out. Yeah. He, he welcomes you in. Even with that attitude, even with that disposition, he welcomes you in. So for our teens that might be struggling, our attitude towards them isn't like, why would you disbelieve? Look at all God's done for us. And it's like, hey, if you're doubting, that makes sense. Um, one of Jesus' disciples that spent all these years with him doubted as well. And you know what he did with him? He welcomed him. He loved him. Mm -hmm. And that's his disposition towards you as well. Even when we are doubting and are, we're struggling as parents to figure out how to handle this situation or our kids are struggling, I love, again, how honest the Psalms are. Because even mm -hmm. in Psalm 73, when the psalmist is talking about, basically he's throwing a hissy fit. Is kind of what it sounds like. My soul was embittered when I was pricked in heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. He's talking to God. And then the, the best word in the whole thing is nevertheless. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I this, cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, because this is our God, yeah. right? Let's all cry about how gracious mm -hmm. he is and mm -hmm. lovely he is to us. The grace of God is what we all desperately need right now to remember. Mm -hmm. When I was like a beast toward him, he says, nevertheless, he's holding you. It's not how strongly we're holding on to God. It's that he refuses to let us go. He's holding on to us. Like, that's our hope. You know, um, there was a period of time in my life where I was suffering really badly. Jessica knows this. It's maybe TMI. I don't know. But uh, I, I probably passed about 10 kidney stones in mm -hmm. five years. And it was like six to eight months out of the year, I would be in immense pain. And that psalm actually was really near and dear to my heart, Psalm 73. I actually had those words, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I had it printed and put on the wall in multiple places where I would be to remind me of that truth. As I looked at the situation around me, my heart was always tempted to ask the question, God, are you actually there and are you actually good? And I had to keep reminding myself or having people come to me and remind me that, yes, God is good. But, you know, the beauty is just after Psalm 73, right, you get a psalm like Psalm 88 where the cry never resolves, where there isn't, a, there isn't any good ending to it, where the psalmist doesn't end up going and saying, oh God, but you're great, you, you know, you do this and that. It's just left in this place where you're like, are you going to leave me here, God? And that may be exactly what you're feeling today as you're sitting out there and you're watching on Facebook Live and you may have a friend or a loved one or a relative who's in the hospital and can barely breathe, you may be that person who can barely breathe and you're just trying to get through and you're watching this. The beauty is, is God is not ashamed to put that 
prayer in the scriptures. God doesn't withhold that sort of realness from his holy word. Those words, Psalm 88, the psalm that says like, oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terror. I'm helpless. Your wrath is swept over me. You have caused my beloved and my friends to shun me. My companions have become darkness. I mean, that's legitimately the end of the psalm. My companions have become darkness. That may be exactly what you feel right now or your team feels right now. And the beauty is God's not ashamed of that. <laughs> like God puts that in there so that we know that while that's not the greatest place to be in, it's not a place where God abandons us. It's not a place where God's like, oh, that person, yeah, you're right. I am going to let my terror sweep over you. No, God, God is there and he's with us in that and he's giving voice to that feeling. He's putting words in our mouths to help us express those feelings back to him because quite frankly, he can handle it. Um, God isn't afraid um, to hear our, our depressed or anxious kids or us in our own depression and anxiety say things like that. He actually welcomes it and says, bring it to me, cast your cares on me. Why? Because I care for you. And I want you to know that. And I want you to feel that. And I want you to hear it because these are, in a sense, God's words. He's the one who stood behind the author who wrote this psalm. So take comfort in that. God's not, God's like not ashamed of that. <laughs> like God, that, that isn't, your kid's saying there, sitting there saying like, dude, is God actually around? All he's saying is the same thing that the psalmist has said. <laughs> like he's just, he's just mimicking the same thing that's in my heart, that's in your heart. And God's not ashamed of that. God's not afraid of that. In fact, God welcomes us saying that to him as we reach out to him in faith, because that is the sign that your kid is wrestling with the truths of scripture. I would just encourage you that for every time that you worry, for every time that you doubt, for every time that your kid worries, for every time your kid doubts, for every time you blow up at your kid during quarantine, um, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're seen. Uh, Jesus went through the most excruciating, terrifying experience, the sinless one, took upon our sins so that he could look at us and say, you're justified. So parents, you're forgiven for every mistake you've made in the past two or three weeks, not just mistakes, but willfully being angry and mean at your kids. You're forgiven. And not only are you forgiven, but you're counted as righteous before God because of Jesus' work. So because of that, love your kids. Uh, because of the way you've been loved, love your kids. Because of the way you've been shown grace, show your kids grace. Enter into their suffering with him the way that Christ entered into our suffering with us. Well, thank you. Yeah, that, those are good thoughts. Joel, do you have anything to add to it? Yeah, I mean, I think that just uh, being really patient, remembering that God is immensely patient with you and letting that drive your patience with your kids, especially when you're running out of toilet paper. That would be, that'd be probably the biggest one. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, I just had to throw that one in there. Well, I mean, this is not at all related to the gospel, but I did watch that show alone. And the guy said that I guess you can use moss as toilet paper when you're in the oh, woods. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Where have we gone? I don't know. <laughs> it's Joel's fault. 
Well, I have more toilet paper than I have moss. <laughs> I don't know. If, but if you find yourself wandering an actual wilderness and having an actual wilderness experience, not just a spiritual one, but a physical Preach. one, mm, you yeah. could turn to the Lord. Look, the Lord has made moss for good purposes <laughs> and to be multi-purpose also. We're going to get off the toilet paper because that's not part of the biblical encouragements. However, it no, it is because look, because God's that good. Mm. He is that good. He is that good. You know, here we are thinking we're all out of resources, but no, there's an untapped supply in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, in any case, um, I don't know how I'm going to transition from that to the very spiritual thing I was about to say. But I will, here's how it's going to go, because we're talking about wildernesses. And I think that, I think that it all, I think to some degree, one way or another, we're all kind of going through our little personal wilderness experience. Of course, not anything like the the Lord endured when he was tempted and tried in the wilderness. You know, talk about quarantine. He was by himself for 40 days. And then all he had was that Satan nagging on him, telling Mm -hmm. him how easily he could escape all of his pain and suffering. Um, But in any case, I love how he reminds us in John 3, you know, John 3.16 is is a very popular verse, well-known, much beloved. It's the gospel in a sentence. But right before that, he says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And I just love thinking that in our wildernesses, Jesus is that serpent that is raised up Mm -hmm. for us to look at to look at him in our wildernesses. And that is how we are saved. Our souls are saved. We are secure by just looking to him. Like Jessica said, come, come to him, touch him, be with him, make him your refuge. Parents, you'll get this, okay? My five-year-old daughter, she comes up and she tells me every single time something is happening in her life. Mom, I'm so excited. I got my pink marker. Or, hey, I'm so upset. Cash isn't sharing with me. Or Brianna's not letting me into her room. Or, oh, I just got a you know, scratch and I need to... Every emotional experience that five-year-old has, she comes and tells me about it, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. That is engaging our God in our emotional challenges is this coming to him? Like Jessica said, and like Joel, you know, we're all saying the same thing. And our kids don't necessarily understand what that looks like. And so we as parents have an opportunity to shepherd them to the good shepherd, right? To steer them in his direction. I also want to say too, that I'm going to post in the, the comments of this video, links to Jessica's book, How to Help Your Anxious Teen, Discovering Thank the you. Surprising Sources of their worries and fears? Something like that. Okay, how to help your anxious teen. Uh, (laughs) An excellent resource, and then also Joel's book. Hey, listen, my book is, my book, once you're done using it to read with your kids is also a great source for toilet paper. Uh, yeah it's a little bit rough it's it's thick thick. Um, but then also too if you are parenting a depressed teen i have this week my new mini book with shepherd press came out called help my teen is depressed that's right joel and jessica did read it loved it so good I just want to thank Joel and Jessica for coming on for some laughs because look, I needed it too. I needed to giggle about (laughs) toilet paper just like anyone else. 
and also the encouragements of all of us to collectively looking to how good our God is and just the privilege that we have and being able to share him with our teens. We're planting seeds and the Lord is working in our hearts first and foremost. Of course, mm-hmm. he's working in their lives, but you know, he's concerned about our spiritual growth and we'll use our teens trials to sanctify us uh, at the same yeah. time. So, well, thank you guys for being on tonight. I appreciate it. And I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, it was fun. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.